Kings of the Ring, wrestling's first audio drama podcast, a fictional retelling of the 1980s wrestling wars, written and produced like a cable TV drama series. While the story and wrestling people are fictional, though based on archetypes, many of the events, no matter how unbelievable or outrageous, are based on a version of something that actually happened in the wild and crazy world of pro wrestling. So please, kids, do not try any of this at home. Kings of the Ring as a series is intended for mature audiences. Today's episode would be rated MA for profanity, drug use, descriptions of nudity, and strong sexual content. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. In a row home in Philadelphia, Chris Stanley, a short and dumpy college graduate, was at the dinner table on the receiving end of a talk from his father. As you know, Christopher, your Uncle Bert lined you up being Jonathan Kane's gopher in New York, but the old man died. Yeah, I saw in the Inquirer, made front page of the sports section. So your Uncle Bert wants you to move down to Texas now instead. Ew. Really? Texas is like a, a different planet, remember? Uncle Bert's barely spoken three words to me my whole life. I'm gonna be with him all the time? What if he doesn't like me? He's Bert Ironside, the biggest cowboy on Earth. I'm this little troll from Philadelphia. Christopher, your mother hasn't spoken to a brother in years. His attitude about him marrying me has made her, as she puts it, madder than a puffed-up toad, whatever that means. But she reached out to him to do this for you. So please, son, do this for her. Chris nods. And I'm personally looking forward to the alone time with your Texas firebrand of a mother, if you know what I mean. Please, Dad, I just ate. Bottom line, pack your bags and your cowboy hat, son. You're going to Texas. In arenas across the land, it's wrestling night in America. In Atlanta, Diamond Donnie Gold steps out onto the arena floor wearing a pink feathery robe, his long bleach blonde hair flowing, a brunette and blonde girl on each arm, both with curly perm hairdos. In Milwaukee, Hollywood buddy Melrose ties up his sparkly robe over his AMW title belt. Beside him, a nervous Thor Hansen pumps up his muscular arms with a couple of dumbbells. Melrose puts a reassuring hand on Thor's shoulder as they prepare to leave for their match. In Tulsa, teenagers in line are waiting to get inside the arena. The two girls wear homemade Angel Brothers t-shirts and are already glowing in anticipation of seeing them in person. The boys they're with nod to each other, knowing they're definitely getting laid tonight because of it. In a back room inside the arena, pretty boy Willie Dean, who actually isn't very pretty, looks into a mirror flexing his biceps, barely paying attention to the girl on her knees in front of him, giving him a blowjob. In Memphis, an old lady in the front row hits a loudmouth manager over the head with her purse. In Boston, the Tarzan kid, with his wild black curly hair, jungle loincloth and Herculean body, inhales a line of cocaine in the bathroom, while other wrestlers in colorful outfits are using the urinals behind him. In Philadelphia, Prince Abdullah steps out into the arena, large Arab robes flowing as he is doused in cups of beer from the fans. In Tulsa, Michael and Gabriel Angel emerge from the locker room as thousands of camera flashbulbs sparkle like stars throughout the dark arena, as cowboy hat-wearing security struggle to give the boys a path to the ring. In Atlanta, 
Donnie Gold has the outlaw Jesse James on his knees, locked in a sleeper hold, while Jesse motioned for the crowd to cheer him on. While in the locker room, Miss Kitty puts on her lipstick, and right beside her, beautiful very lovelace, in an effeminate sparkle jacket like a fairy tale prince, also puts on lipstick to match his eyeliner. Miss Kitty turns and playfully kisses Barry's cheek, leaving a mark. Barry lightly scolds his wife as she laughs at him and wipes it off. In Puerto Rico, the mauler bites the top rope with eyes bugged out. His own blood streaked across his face from his eyebrow while digging a fork into the forehead of Carlos Rivera below. Photographers from San Juan, Miami, Japan, and New York are right underneath capturing it all. In Charlotte, Daniel Hawkins counts stacks of cash with an adding machine, while in the arena, a drunken fan in the front row gets in the face of the Irish hammer, Killian Kavanaugh, who shoves this foolish man with full force, sending him crashing through five rows of fans, sending beer, chairs, and people in all directions. In St. Louis, a group of wrestlers sit around a table in the locker room, intensely looking at their poker hands, one wearing a glittery robe and headband, one in a satin jacket, and a luchador from Mexico with his colorful mask pushed up over his nose and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Crusher Krawcheck, the eldest of the group, in his wrestling tights and boots with cigar blazing, throws down his cards in victory. The luchador smiles until looking at Crusher, who gives him a threatening look, and decides to fold instead as Krawcheck pulls in his cash winnings. Pretty boy Willie Dean, never taking his eyes off himself in the mirror, pulls up his wrestling tights as the girl servicing him gets up and wipes her mouth. He signs an autograph for her, and she leaves. Thor Hansen, Gorilla presses his opponent over his head with incredible strength. With their match won, Michael Angel stands on the ring apron facing the fans, while his fraternal twin brother Gabriel has his arm raised by the referee. Sweat beads across Michael's perfect physique, his curly blonde hair presses against his movie star face as he stands above his mob of female worshippers who have broken through the ring barrier and cram up against the ring. He stares out into the crowd, looking like a statue of a Greek god. But something vacant, almost unearthly about his gaze, is it the teenage girls reaching up to touch him, screaming and crying, or mere ants? One girl moves closer and reaches up to offer a bouquet of flowers, which accidentally hits another girl in the face pushes the girl with the flowers away. The flower girl pushes back. The other grabs the flowers. As they're both pulled away by security, the flowers rip and fly out of their hands, sending white petals cascading into the air, surrounding Michael with an angelic glow as he seemingly floats to the floor, held by a sea of worshiping female arms and hands, all reaching towards him, this demigod, this living, breathing angel. Diamond Donnie Gold has his hand raised by the referee while he clutches the WWA World Heavyweight Championship belt. With his bleach blonde hair drenched and stained red with his blood and sweat, while a bloody Jesse James looks on, defeated. Burt Ironside's All South Wrestling, Fairgrounds Arena, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Michael and Gabriel Angel enter the hallway from the arena floor as they put the thousands of screams and cheers behind them. As Michael reaches the locker room door, he notices a woman in a red dress off to the side looking at him. Very classy looking and a bit out of place at an Oklahoma wrestling show. 
knowing his father has eyes and ears everywhere, he takes a breath and moves towards her when Gabriel grabs him. Come on, Michael. Get your pussy later, Gabriel says as he pulls his brother by the hand into the locker room. Here you go, boys. Gabriel announces as he and Michael step up to a table and empty out their Speedo-style wrestling shorts. Out pours joints, vials of cocaine, little baggies with pills, and hotel keys. The other wrestlers scurry to the scene like children underneath a broken piñata, scooping up the free drugs. Holy shit, where'd all this come from? Bobby Rivers asks as he picks up a joint. Leroy Brown answers from his chair. The mocks. They just stuff them in the boys' trunks after the match. They do anything for them. Willie Dean examines the drugs, carefully selecting his favorites. Look at all of this. It's like fucking Christmas in here. What kind of Christmas you have at your house, Willie? One with a lot of snow. <laughs> Cracks open one of the vials and snorts hard. <laughs> hey, Willie, hide that shit. Bert's coming back. As Leroy Brown heads for the bathroom, Michael Angel unwraps the tape from his wrists, grabs a baggie of pills from the pile, and walks away. Shit, Angel Brothers just finished. Did we miss our match? Nah, man. Bert likes to put Leroy Brown on last, even if the Angels are the real draw these days. But the ticket's already sold, so who gives a fuck? Besides, Mike and Gabriel like to get to the hotel early and do their shit. What kind of shit? Willie looks at him annoyed. I don't know, getting high, jerking off, fucking rats, whatever the fuck they want to do. Doesn't matter. What matters is, those Angel Boys are so fucking pretty. They got all the girls nice and wet for us. And I loves to dip. <laughs> Willie gets up to leave. Wait, so what are we doing out there? <sighs> Willie lights up a cigarette. Jesus Christ. It's bad enough they pair me up with your green ass so I have to teach you how to work. But I've got to answer all your goddamn questions. Willie thinks for a second. Well, listen, I'll call that out in the ring. But I'm going over. You got it? I just won the TV time. Why would they take it off me right away? Because you're the shits. And because of this, Willie pulls his tights down to his knees and shows Bobby his abnormally large dick. God damn it, Willie. Put that thing away before you take somebody's eye out. Peyton Thomas, alongside Bert Ironside, and Bert's nephew, Chris Stanley, approach them. Chris looks completely out of place, like he doesn't belong there. Peyton, holding a clipboard, points at Bobby with this pencil, waving it at him. So what's with all the new shit? You trying to work a gay gimmick or something? Are you ribbing me? I'm a fucking rock star. I got the fluffy hair, the pink tiger strap tights with the holes cut out the sides so you can see my ass cheeks. I got the long feather earrings, the fucking fringes. I got all the fucking gimmicks, brother. Like I said, are you trying to work a gay gimmick? I'm fucking David Lee Roth. A puzzled Burt Ironside chimes in. You don't look a damn thing like David Allen Coe. David Lee Roth? Van Halen, the biggest fucking band in the world. Anyway, I want 15 minutes, and Bob is going over. What? And if you two go a cunt hair longer than 15 minutes, you're both fucking fired. Bobby, you know the drill. It's time to go home. I'm gonna step out from behind the curtain, give the referee the Iggy. Referee will see me and tell you guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. Wait a minute. So why am I putting him over anyway? Because he's a white meat baby face that girls like. And nobody likes you. Well, what's wrong with that? That's heat. I mean, nobody likes you here in this room. Especially me. Oh, come on, Bert. You know I got feelings. Why you gotta go hurting them? Yeah, <laughs> Willie Dean, you know I love you. You're like the son I never wanted. Peyton, there he goes again. 
Would you just pull your damn tights back up already? You're up next. And they walk away. Willie takes one last drag on his cigarette and flicks it across the room. Fucking bullshit, man. I should be working on top of Nero. Michael Angel steps back into the hallway. He sees a marina security down the hall talking. How you doing, fellas? They turn and see him standing there. He hears the click of high heels and sees this mystery woman emerge from the shadows as she puts out her cigarette. He stays and waits for her to come to him so the security boys can see and hopefully report back to his father so he'll get off his back. She steps up and kisses him. He kisses her back passionately and starts pulling down his trunks. She stops him by cupping his balls. here. He looks down and she's handed him a hotel key and she walks away. Ask him, ref! With Bobby River seated, pretty boy Willie Dean is kneeling behind him with his right arm wrapped around Bobby's jaw in a rear chin lock. As Willie leans in, burying his face into Bobby's long curly hair so the fans can't see his mouth. Slow it down. Give him time. He tilts his head back up now so the fans can see him and shouts, I said ask him, ref! As the referee moves in, a grimacing Bobby acts as if his life is being drained. Hey, where are you going after the show? The chicken coop. And you will be going anywhere else. Tackle drop down, leapfrog drop kick. Bobby Rivers starts to shake and shiver. Willie lets him up to one knee. But I heard all the best rats go to the chicken coop. And Bobby slams his tricep into Willie's chest and hops into the air as if the impact of the elbow propelled him. Bobby, still in the chin lock, backs Willie into the ropes, which is why I am going there. Bobby pushes Willie's body against the ropes, and Willie sprints across the ring as if Bobby threw him. The ropes bend and spring him back, propelling him forward towards the center again, where Bobby stands like a wall as if to check Willie, but instead he keeps his body loose, allowing Willie's force to knock him down to the mat. Willie pauses for a moment and runs into the ropes again. Bobby turns over flat on his belly, forcing Willie to hop over him and continue running to the other side of the ring. The athletic Bobby Rivers jumps straight up in the air with his legs outstretched like an upside-down V. Willie crouches his head down while running, going underneath Rivers' leapfrog, and as Willie bounces into the ropes, he jumps up into the air, pulling his knees towards his chest, then springs them out as Willie arrives just in time to smash his chest into Bobby's feet. Bobby springs up and splashes on top of Willie. The referee hits the mat to count. Come on, man. I don't want to get stuck at some dive bar. Them's the brakes, Bobby. And Willie lifts his knees into the air and thrusts his legs out, lifting his entire body off the mat, breaking up the pin. Charlie Gotch's American Midwest Wrestling, Mecca Arena, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Buddy and Thor step down from the ring, still sweaty from their victory. Freddy Fengler, host of AMW, waits for them at ringside where he is standing in front of a camera. We're to bring in Hollywood Buddy Melrose and Big Four Hanson here. Now gentlemen, you've done it again. One more win for this tag team. Frederick, I refuse to speak until these Milwaukee morons show me the respect I deserve with their complete silence. Well, then let me ask your partner, Thor Hanson. Thor, how are you two winning match after match? You know, when I first started, what I did was... No, 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 Mr. Fengler. You addressed the questions to me. I am the AMW champion, not Thor. I am the living legend of the ring, 
not Thor. He is my personal protege, so I will answer your question by telling you our success is attributed quite simply to me. Well, come on now, buddy. Thor did most of the work, including getting pinned. You just stood there. That is not true. He merely followed the instructions I gave him in the locker room. All right, well, moving right along. Now, Thor, you hit your opponent with a move I've never seen before. What do you call that? I learned it in Japan. It's called the twist. No, no, no. Just a moment, Thor. I'll handle this. Listen, Frederick. You address questions to me. The name of his maneuver is inconsequential. And frankly, I'm quite offended by your behavior. This interview is over. Come on. Buddy Melrose and Thor Hansen enter the hallway, where their opponents are waiting for them, along with Charlie Gotch and son Nelly. The sweaty tag team shake hands with Melrose and Thor. Thank you, Mr. Melrose. Thanks, Eric. I'm sorry if I stiffed you with that first punch. That's all right, brother. When you've gone 30 minutes with Nishikawa, you can take anything. Besides, I gave you your receipt with that clothesline in the corner. You sure did. All right, thank you. And they head towards the locker room. Listen, Eric, you did fine out there, son, but you still need to slow it down. Just when you think you've slowed down enough, I want you to slow it down even more. You've got great instincts out there with the people. You can't teach that sort of thing. Just be patient. We're pulling a slow burn is all. You'll get your shot. All right, all right, enough, buddy. Thor, go back with Nelly. He has a few things he wants to go over with you from the match. Charlie pats Thor on the shoulder and nudges him towards the locker room. All right, Eric, you look good out there. there Charlie moves in closer. Listen, we need to take it easy with feeding Thor's head with these delusions of grandeur. Eric's a humble kid. He can handle the push. Well, that's the problem. I think we should pull back a bit. Maybe think things over. Why? Do you have heat with Thor? Thor's a good kid. I just think we're moving a bit fast. Uh, I'm not 100% on him. Let's slow it down. The tease. Keep the focus on you as champ. <sighs> Whatever you say, boss. Nigel Davies, Les Henderson, and Bob Walker's Southeast Championship Wrestling. Coliseum, Macon, Georgia. Diamond Donnie Gold sits on a bench, leaning back against a locker, wearing only a towel with his white hair wet and combed back, with a big white bandage on his forehead. Jesse James, still in his gear, is thumbing through a stack of envelopes, while Miss Kitty and Barry Lovelace wait for theirs. Kitty is a stunner, like the dream pinup girls of the 80s, with a great body and long blonde hair. Her husband, Jack, is completely out of beautiful Barry mode and is a remarkably normal-looking guy in a satin jacket, jeans, and an Atlanta Braves cap. While they wait, Donnie Gold is blowing kisses to Miss Kitty, who bites her lip, trying not to laugh as her husband doesn't see anything. Here you go, Kitty. Jesse hands her two envelopes, and they're on their way. Kitty looks back for a second, and Donnie opens his towel, showing her his fully erect penis. She keeps walking and flips him off. In your dreams, Donnie. Donnie laughs and turns to Jesse. <laughs> you know, they get chicks like Miss Kitty all over LA. They turn on the TV last night and see Jack Nicholson with some babe at the Laker game and think, now that's the life. Can't you picture me out there, Jesse, with Christy Brinkley on my arm, getting high, getting laid, just living it up. Oh, yeah. Now, now, that's your gimmick, Donnie. Don't get it mixed up with real life. You're still Donald Goldman from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and don't you forget it. No matter how hard I try, you're my best friend in the business, but forgive me if I don't play the violin for you. 
The money here in Macon, Georgia is the same color as it is in Hollywood or New York City, even if it ain't as glamorous. And after tonight's sellout, you'll get more of it than anybody else, champ. Jesse slaps Donnie's chest with the thickest envelope. And while the rest of us are stuck in our given territories before moving on to the next, you get to headline everybody's shows all year. This weekend for all South, Nigel has you booked in Shreveport and Little Rock, then up to Green Bay and La Crosse with Charlie Gotch. No enough of this, Chet. We need you in Greenville tomorrow, and then you're taking the King Air to Chattanooga tomorrow night. Donnie sarcastically twirls his finger. Yay, Tennessee, here I come. Julian Kane's Empire State Wrestling Federation, Boston Garden, Boston, Massachusetts. Dan Sanders, with the Empire State title belt over his shoulder, is at ringside being interviewed. I want to thank all the people for coming out here in Boston, Massachusetts. These people paid their ticket, and I appreciate the opportunity to wrestle in front of them. Every night before I go to bed, I polish my ESWF title belt. In my bedroom, all alone, I polish it for hours with great care and intensity and I picture all of you. All the fans and TV Jonathan Kane's top two assistants, Sal Spinelli and Louis Janopoulos, more commonly known as The Greek, are watching Sanders' interview from a monitor backstage. <laughs> After all these years, this guy still can't cut a promo. Dan Sanders really is the cure for insomnia, isn't he? <laughs> That's true, but it don't seem to matter. Uh, the Empire State fans are very loyal, and we have solid house every night with Sanders as champion. Yeah, but I'm starting to see more empty seats than we used to. Losing Johnny doesn't help. The people knew him. They loved him. A respected member of the business community. I'm not sure that's Julian Stein. He might be in trouble. Where is he anyway? He should be here. Uh, he just said meetings. Meetings? Hey, you think he's trying to sell the old man's company? You know, if he tries it, it won't work. Because he can't. Why not? Trust me. I know. But he must have ideas. He graduated Harvard University, so he must know his business. Yeah? Well, if he don't start showing up, he ain't gonna have a fucking company to run. I love you all, and I'm very happy to be the champion of the Empire State. I want Empire to be more than just the number one promotion in the wrestling business. I want to be the wrestling business and make us mainstream. The way we do that is targeting the largest untapped market in all of wrestling, the kids. I will turn my wrestlers into more than local heroes. They'll be superheroes, living, breathing comic book characters come to life. They'll be more than draws, more than stars. I will make them celebrities. And with that comes something sorely lacking in our business, licensing and merchandise. Star Wars grossed more money than any movie ever, but that was only one piece of the pie. In 1978, a year after the movie came out, Star Wars sold over $100 million in toys alone. At the average wrestling show in 1984, you're lucky to get an 8x10 glossy of your favorite wrestler. When I get what I want, you'll be able to buy an action figure of your favorite wrestler at Toys R Us. But it's the whole package. I'm hiring the best people from the major networks to pull us out of smoky arenas and give us state-of-the-art TV production with the same look and feel as all the major sports organizations. Empire isn't competing with the Nashville wrestling office, we're competing with the NBA and Knight Rider. 
the first step to making Empire a mainstream sports juggernaut is already done. I own the richest wrestling promotion in America right now. New York City, Philadelphia, Boston. We own the most populous regions in the United States. We're taking this show across the entire US and Canada, on TV and in arenas everywhere, to areas long neglected by the cantankerous old crows who run yesterday's wrestling industry, and into their backyard as well, and show the fans what real entertainment looks like. Syndicated TV in every market in the country, combined with a future outlet for all of television, cable. I already have deals in place with parties nationwide to make this a reality. The only thing we're missing is you. Thank you for listening to the first two episodes of The Kings of the Ring. In episode three, Michael Angel pursues the mysterious woman, Bobby Rivers races Willie Dean to the chicken coop, and we see the consequences for the loser. Plus, we learn more about Burt Ironside's nephew, Chris Stanley. Plus, the full angle from Southeast Championship Wrestling that Jesse James and Jack Valiant were watching from episode one at the WVBS studios. It's episode three, One Night in Tulsa, 